God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Lord, and just reflect on who you are and what you've done in our lives, Father. I pray that you would uh, guide our thoughts and our words this morning, Father, as we seek to look into what you've done in and through our lives, Father. God, I'm, I'm grateful for this, uh, this body of believers that you've called to uh, set apart, Father, to, to speak and proclaim your gospel. Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow these stories that will be told this morning to, to cause us to draw near to you, Father, and to be aware of the work that you're doing in our lives, God. I pray that it would also cause us to to just reflect into our own hearts, Father, and, and see what you've done in each of our lives, God, to bless us, to bring us into an engaged life with you, Father, to, to understand who you are and better relate to who you are, Father, and understand you, God. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's by the power of his name. Amen. So you're going to hear a few stories this morning of some of our people, the people that are sitting among you right now, and how God has, uh, some pretty big events have happened in some of our people this, this year, and so they're going to kind of come up and just briefly share that story, and then how God shaped and orchestrated events in them. And two things that we can get out of this this morning, one is, is obvious, we can see how God worked and moved in a life among us through 2012, but sort of under the surface, that, that thing that, that we can get from this morning is, is begin to, to know and to, to understand what is, how we can see someone talking about their story, and how that can begin to teach us how to, to look back at our lives, and, and how God has, has done and moved and shaped in us. So I think the, the takeaway for, that I want for us this morning is is for us to walk out of this place this morning with a better understanding of how to reflect upon what God is doing in and through our lives and how God is actually weaving and orchestrating his story in our hearts. So as you listen to these stories, I want that to kind of, you, you to learn how to, how to look at God and, and how he's, he's orchestrating and weaving events in your life, all right? So, uh, Megan, come on up. You're gonna, Megan's going to be the first one. Uh, a lot of you guys know that Megan leads our uh, community garden that we've done. And uh, some cool stuff happened and some cool stuff is happening. So, Megan, just kind of share the community garden and how God has orchestrated in you and through you through the garden. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, at the very beginning of this year, um, I read a book. There was an example of um, a ministry in Austin that incorporated gardening with restoring people's lives. And it kind of planted a seed in my mind of, um, it was like, I love gardening. I don't know that much about it. But um, it was just something that the Lord pressed into my heart about. And I started talking about it. And some people in my life were... um, just really encouraging of it, and so started to pursue it. One obvious thing that you need for that is land, and um, 
But before we had the land, I just like did some research and found things that connected the dots um, where the Lord like provided so many things. He provided like seeds and people and um, I can't even remember everything. But at some point, someone was like, you need to write all this down because everything that the Lord is providing, like it's crazy. And so I have a Word document. Um, and it just, like, has date after date after date of, like, when God provided this and that. And um, he connected us with the city of Florissant, and they gave us a huge plot of land. And, like, just crazy things that I know that absolutely I could never have done. And that is really encouraging to me because I know that, like, the Lord is pressing and making this happen. Um, and knowing that, like, it's an opportunity to be obedient for me and to see him orchestrate and pull things together. Um, and knowing that, like, he wants to utilize that and see how I can help teach people sustainable food practices when finances are rough or not. It's just something you want to utilize. It's just something that can um, bring people together, growing things, like every single part of it. What I love about the garden is that literally not any of it could happen without God because he makes things grow. He makes the water, like, as corny as it might sound, like, he does all of it. Um, and so he, <clears throat> um, yeah, he provided everything. And um, it wasn't even, it wasn't anything that I did. It was like thanks to help of people that are consistent here and um, are a blessing to my life. It's an opportunity that we get to connect with the city and connect with the people that um, we never would have met that want um, that want to be engaged as well, that want to know their neighbors. And so I'm excited for this coming year because I wrote, Kai and I wrote, um, f- applied for a grant, and we might have an opportunity to just get some resources and um, have ongoing support. And so just to know um, that, like, the Lord planted this and he's done this and um, look forward to the next year and see how he continues. And I'm going to continue to add to that word, Doc, and be able to see what else he does and um, how he loves our city through that. So, Cool. Thanks, Megan. So the, the takeaway there is just as you, as you listen to her tell that story, it's the, the big picture of the story is that God provided land and seeds and like Home Depot gave a bunch of stuff to, to actually facilitate that in, in a time. and the, the, it's, it's really obvious to see that God provided those things. The, the less obvious things is that when, when God creates something in your mind to go and serve him, he will provide for that. So as you wonder, as you dream, as you plan, as, as, you, as God presses in upon you to do something, God will provide. And it starts out as a little idea and then turns into something way bigger than you had ever anticipated, um, which is the, the story of, of this place, North Church. It was a little bitty idea, and then now it's bigger than you could ever even think or imagine. Um, uh, Eric, come on up. I want you to share. Eric had a big event happen to him this year, and he's wearing it on his left ring finger. Thanks, Rick. Um, yeah, so March 17th of uh, this year, uh, God provided a wife to me and, and Mickey, and, and uh, life has been 
truly incredible with her. And, and you know, thinking back, you know, Rick asked me um, about what I've learned this year and what God has taught me. And it's really been about God's faithfulness um, to me and, and uh, constantly drawing me back to him. Um, you know, after we got married, we got back home from our great honeymoon and, and uh, we realized we've got two mortgages we have to pay. Now we have a house here and a, and a condo in, uh, in Columbia that we were trying to sell, but for whatever reason, it wasn't selling. But God was faithful, and he provided for us. Um, you know, we had a, a hailstorm that we got a, you know, a new roof on our house and, and extra insurance money, and that helped us out for a while. Um, and then um, my sister, my little sister got married, and through the course of that, we found out about a job for Mickey. And now she's been blessed with a great job, uh, which has helped provide for us and, and uh, for uh, paying for that condo in, in Columbia. Um, we've, uh, you know, six months went by and, and um, we haven't had uh, really any real takers, any real strong offers on the condo. And so we, we realized maybe God isn't planning for us to do this right now. Maybe he would uh, like us to hang on to that. And so we made it available for, uh, for rent and this week we actually signed a lease um, with, uh, with some renters. So God's providing for us. And through all this, you know, my, my, uh, my natural bent is to become complacent. Uh, God blessed me with a tremendous wife. And my, my leaning is to be like, okay, now I've arrived. Now I've got it. You know, now I'm satisfied. And God very quickly said, no, no, don't be satisfied yet. You know, look to me. Look to me. Rely on me. And, uh, and that's what he's been continuing to do. And he's faithful to draw me back to him through that. Cool. Thanks, Eric. So, the, it's, like, I have, I, I just know what the people are going to kind of basically talk about. I don't know what they're going to say. And uh, you guys basically just said the same thing. God gives you something, and then he resources you to make it happen. And he's teaching faithfulness. And so as, as you hear these stories, again, be reminded, these stories aren't just so you can say, hey, oh, that was sweet. Wasn't that a great story? Isn't it great that Eric and Mickey have this good new marriage and, and yippee. It, that's, that's part of it, and, and yeah, be happy for them. But ultimately, God is weaving a story everywhere. And the reason we're here this morning reflecting on the stuff that's happened to us is not just to see the story, but to see the faithfulness of God in the midst of our lives. And it's not just that they have a great marriage. It's not just that, that there's a community garden that's a couple of miles away. That's, it's not that. It's that we serve a faithful God. And it doesn't always have to be beautiful, great, wonderful, happy little stories. It can be hardship. It can be difficulty. Charlie, come and talk to us about a hardship that happened to you. All right. Um, there were uh, three events really in my life this year that God used to bless me with. <clears throat> um, but the main event was obviously what Rick was talking about was when my uh, pop died. And... Um, that week that we had his funeral and, um, you know, my family being together and whatever, I spent a lot of time in Isaiah that week, uh, basically Isaiah 26 and Isaiah 61, where 
God blessed me with um, reminding me that if I focus on him and keep my, my mind on him at all times, he'll give me perfect peace. And during that week, um, I, I found it really uh, amazing that even though my dad had died and um, I, I kept thinking about him and my mom and the things that they had always taught me and and that them now being together uh, in heaven um, really gave me a perfect peace and God really blessed me with that. And um, then the morning that we had his funeral, I woke up and he sent me to Isaiah 61 and where it talks about um, a double portion of everlasting joy. And again, I, I thought, wow, this was just really amazing that I have a double portion of everlasting joy knowing that, um, you know, both of my parents now are together in heaven and that um, some of the things that I wrote in my journal as I was reading them again this week, um, you know, made me kind of stop and cry about it all over again. But um, as I, well, I remember one of the, writing one of the things that um, that joy that I got was was knowing that God had taken the two of them and put them back together, and they got to put their arms around each other again, and that just that was the joy that I had gotten. And the um, the two themes that that God kind of kept impressing on me all year long, and and um, through the the blessings that He was giving me, and in, in almost every Bible study that I did this year was. The two themes that um, he kept pressing me on about, you know, the the perfect peace and the everlasting joy was always saturating ourselves in the gospel, finding something to remind ourselves to every day to saturate ourselves with his gospel. Um, and then, um, uh, all of a sudden I forgot the other one, but um, anyway, the the everlasting joy and the perfect peace and the the things that I got through my pop's death was just uh, blessings that that I'll remember for the rest of my lives. And, you know, like Megan, I, I, I did fortunately sit down and journal some of those things. So they're, they're things that I can um, um, always look back and read and, and always have those things. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Charlie. Um, Another thing that's, that's just mentioned there is, is the, this idea of, of journaling, and this kind of helps us to reflect upon this, and, and it's, uh, I've, I found a, a couple of months ago, I found a, a journal that I wrote when I was like 22 years old, um, and the same things that God is pressing in on me was pressing in on me then, and uh, so a great way to reflect upon what God is doing in your life is, is to journal, and it, it helps you to think through. It's an exercise that helps us to, to understand how God is weaving and orchestrating grace in our lives. Um, so Charlie, I remember walking through that with him and losing his, his mom a couple of years ago and, and his dad this year, uh, and how God has just really pressed in on him with, with blessing and the growth that's happened in you as a, as a result of those, and God providing his faithfulness in the midst of even dark times. Uh, so kind of the the, the bounce-off point from that for Charlie losing someone is uh, Mike and Rachel have, have gained someone, uh, a little Easton. So, Rach, come on up and, and tell us how God has orchestrated his grace and peace to you through little Easton. Um, when I think of this last year, the word that really comes to me is grace. 
Um, of course, Easton is a huge blessing. It's been an incredible journey um, to have him in our life. But as most of you know, when we first got him, it was an incredible um, difficulty in that we didn't sleep for seven months. And I know a lot of parents go through sleepless nights, but for us, it was waking ten times a night, every hour and a half to two hours. We tried everything we could. And um, through that, I feel like God just really stretched us and showed us the selfishness in our hearts um, and in that journey. And one of the scriptures that I just clung to so hard was in Philippians 2. It talks about how Christ emptying himself even as a bondservant. And here is this baby that I love to death, but that was taking every ounce of anything that I knew. Um, So night after night, I just found myself before God going, God, can I please have two hours of sleep? Just two hours. And like the very essence of human being, I did not, why am I crying? I don't know. But (laughs) this isn't a sad story. Um, But just to the point of like, God, I am so desperate just to even live um, as a normal functioning human being. And it was just so incredible to find God's grace in the midst of those moments, two, three, four, five o'clock in the middle of the night, every single night. And um, to see who God is and to come through for us. And as most of you know, at seven months, we saw sleep specialist Easton sleeps from eight o'clock at night till six thirty, seven o'clock every morning, which has been a huge blessing in our life. But um, most of all, God has just used Easton. He's Anybody that's been around him, he's so much fun. He's such a happy baby. Um, But he's just continually revealing who he is through that. And I was just telling Mike, one of the most recent things that God's just spoken to me is we were at the mall the other day, and it was just about nap time for Easton, and he was getting so, so tired. And I could see, and he was just like, you know, nodding off. And I kept waking him up, you know, don't don't go to sleep yet. I was about to leave the mall. And God just so sweetly spoke to me, and it's like, you know, here's Easton. He's so tired, and he's like, this is what I need. I need sleep. It's a good thing. Why won't you let me sleep? This is what's right. And here I'm thinking, I know that if I let him fall asleep right now, like I'm going to have to wake him up, you know, jostling him in and out of the car, getting into the car, all these things. And it's like, Easton, if you will just wait, wait, give me five minutes, wait a little bit longer, you can sleep and it'll be restful and you'll enjoy it and it'll be perfect, exactly what you need. But if you get what you want right now, it's not going to be as good as you want it to be. And I felt like God just has been showing me continually things through him, but in that, like, there's so much of the time I'm like, God, this is what I need. This is what's good. Why won't you let me have it? I need it right now. And God's like, you do, and I'm going to give it to you, but I'm going to give it to you in a perfect way versus the way that you need it right now in your head, but I want to give it to you in the way that's going to bless you the most. And so little things like that happen to us daily. I feel like that God's just continually using Easton to refine us and show us his grace um, even in the wonderful times and the really hard times. That's, that's beautiful. I love the last thing she said is that there's, God is using Easton to refine us. Um, please pay attention to that. That's the point of, of, of this morning is for us to hear these stories and understand that God is weaving and orchestrating events to refine us to change us. 
if, if Rachel had decided what, if she would have met, wanted her needs met in that exact moment. And they, what would have happened was he would have come out of the womb sleeping nine hours. And, and so many times we want to, we want to, our comfort to be provided for. We want peace in this moment. If that would have happened, Rachel would have not had this teaching lesson to lean upon God and, and for him to, to show his faithfulness. Faithfulness isn't of any value if it's really easy to see. It's, God is orchestrating events. And so as you listen here, see God orchestrating events. Um, she said, she was talking about just complete dependence upon God and, and showing the selfishness of her, of her heart. We're going to roll something out next week about sort of our vision and our plan for 2013 and uh, centering around this idea of, of prayer. For the last probably two months, I've been waking up early and, and taking a, a, a prayer shower. And, and just the thing that God overwhelms me, it began with, with me saying, God, would you be in this situation? Would you bless Jen with peace with the kids today? Would you praying for people, praying for you all, praying for the, the Kuntzes in the new house and, and this stuff that's going on in the lives of our church. But it eventually became, God, would you purify my heart of my selfishness? Because most of the time I'm, laying, I'm sitting there in the shower thinking, man, I just want to be sleeping right now. If you know me very well, I, I, sleep is like, my, the most fun thing in my life. You might think it's like watching a basketball game, but really it's, it's going to sleep. I'd rather do that than anything else. I try and do it every day. Uh, and so I'm sitting there, and, and God just presses this idea in my head, is that you are selfish. And my, the, the fervent prayer of my heart for me and for us as we move into 2013 is this prayer. Not just, we're not just going to be praying for each other or praying for people or praying for mission. We're going to be praying that God would change the inside of us. Rachel brings that to light beautifully. Our 2012 kind of vision, purpose, push was for discipleship. Um, Jeff, come up here um, and tell us about the relationship that you have with, with John and that sort of discipleship process, and you were invested in for a while and kind of turned that to investing in a discipleship relationship. Tell us about that. So um, as a lot of you probably remember at the uh, beginning of this year, that was sort of our um, the elders' vision and leadership for, for 2012 for our body was really um, a, a, a strong focus in discipleship. And so it was actually sometime last year— um, when I started uh, being discipled in sort of like a small group huddle kind of thing um, by Dave. And uh, so then come sometime around the first of the year, um, the elders say, hey, we're going to focus on discipleship this year. And this was shortly after um, the Joseph started coming and John became a Christian. And Dave's like, Jeff, you should disciple John. It's like, Okay, I mean, I'm not really the kind of guy that's just going to say no in that situation, even though I was kind of like, I really don't know about this. Um, so uh, so I entered into, I guess, a, a discipling relationship with John. And um, 
I guess all of the all of the things that I feel like I've heard about discipleship, um, a lot of them were true, just in the sense that I, I, I it, it wasn't just. Well, John is a new Christian, and so he needs to learn about God, and he needs to learn about Jesus. And so, like, I'm going to go teach him, and it's going to be all for him, um, which is just really, really not how it goes. At least that's not how it went for me. Um, I can't tell you how many times I was literally driving to his house. Uh, it had just been a rough day or whatever, or there's just that fear inside of me that's like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, I'm not a teacher. I don't really know what I have to offer right now. Um, and then uh, two or three hours later, I would leave his house just completely filled and encouraged um, by him and, and specifically what I saw the Lord doing in him and even using me as a part of that. Um, and I think one of the big things that, that God taught me through that time, because um, Fortunately, and as a credit to John, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he was new to Christianity, new to God, new to Jesus, and so um, he's got a lot of questions. And to his credit, he asks those questions, um, which a lot of people don't do. And so um, that was a lot of our time is just him just thinking through things and like, okay, if you tell me this, then what about this and what about this? And most of the time I had to stand there and say, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, again, I don't, I don't have all the answers, but what that really made us do, I think, was, was really um, take a focus on Scripture, um, because I was not one to come in and, and just give him all the answers. Um, I had to say, you know what, uh, it's a great question. Uh, I feel like in my head I kind of have an answer, but I don't, can't really tell you where that answer is from, and so I can't really convince you to believe that if I don't really know where it's come from. So, um, so we really had to take a focus on Scripture, and we used some material that just pointed us to, I mean, each week we were just reading um, just passage after passage after passage after passage. It was really um, shedding some light on what actual truth is. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was just, um, I don't know, it was really pretty revolutionary for me um, to be on that side of things and to be just um, something that God used not just to to teach John things about himself, which um, he did, um, but also to teach me about about relying on God. Because if I relied on myself in those times, um, it was it was going to be a big waste of time for both of us. But um, it really took me kind of stepping back and saying, you know what, I I I is as obvious as this sounds. I just can't I just can't do this. I don't really know what to say. I don't know how to how to prepare. But um, but God was faithful to use me. Uh, to teach us both, and honestly, through through that time, um, just to bring us both uh, closer to Him, which was the ultimate goal. So, cool. Thank you, Jeff. Again, very simple takeaway: as you serve God, God speaks into your heart. You think you're just serving Him, but He's changing who you are as you serve Him. Um, what I think is probably the best example of that uh, is Amanda. Come on up and and. Share with us how God kind of used you and your house to serve and love people. Okay. So um, in December of last year, January, um, I got a call from Sierra that just, she's like, hey, um, what are you doing with your life right now? Um, and I said, I don't know. I could probably use a change. So um, in the God orchestrating events was pretty cool around that because in 
January, um, my roles at my job switched and um, kind of some crazy situations, but I took on some new responsibilities and got some more money for it so mm-hmm. I could uh, so I could buy a house, which was awesome. Um, so I start looking for one, and um, in our community groups, we had some prayer boards, which was really cool of just God's faithfulness. That's a... I think love and faithfulness are two big words for this year. Um, we were praying for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in Florissant with a one-car garage, and if it was good, for two cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that's what I got in Florissant, right around the corner, which um, is just an awesome house. So a lot of what God has been, um, just kind of the vision of that house is that I didn't want this house. <laughs> it just sounds really silly, but... I never thought I would buy a house um, and own one and have to fix it and do things with it. Um, but God was just like, nope, you're going to do this, and I'm going to help you um, bring some people into your life to, to get you through that. Um, so Sierra is, is definitely that person. Um, and all of you guys, I'm sure at least one guy in, in this room has fixed my house at some point. Um, so... The vision on that house was that this is the Lord's house, and whatever he wants to do with it, he, he can. Um, and that included bringing along two other roommates that, um, one, a non-believer who's um, Chinese and doesn't really have a faith of her own, really, um, and the other is uh, a brand-new single mom. So um, through that, I think that God has definitely taught me love, um, how to love people well and how to um, I guess share the love of Jesus in that. So, oh my goodness, I, I can't even tell you how God has, has taught me time and time again, like, you need to rely on my strength to love because you can't do it at all. Um, people walking in and out of my house and things just kind of going crazy and, and I don't have control over that. And I have to just like lay my selfishness down, lay my pride down and say, like, this is your house too. You can do whatever you want with it. Um, so I guess the other part of that is just walking through, um, the beginning of the Bible and going through the Old Testament and really seeing God's faithfulness and, um, in his love with the Israelites and how they just kept on doing wrong and, and, uh, running away from God. And time and time again, he said, like, look, I'm here. I love you. Just come back to me. Um, and I have seen God's faithfulness so many times this year. It's ridiculous. Like, my journal is full of your answering prayers left and right, which is just so awesome for this year. Um, yeah, and I guess the other part of that is just the love that comes with that. And Sierra and I, um, she's not here, but I can talk about her anyway. Um, we are we are struggling to love um, and love well, especially people that um, that aren't in the realm of our thought processes, I guess, that think differently than us. So um, just that's where we are now. Thank you, Amanda. Her telling that story, just uh, most of you have been here for a while for our story series. You heard Amanda tell her story of just hardship and difficulty and uh, several years of running from God. And uh, I, I look at Amanda and, and her life and I look at what she just said and just the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never, ever cease. And it's beautiful and it's perfect. His love 
can't change and it doesn't need to change to change us. So allow that story to shine a light on, on the grace of God. Uh, the next story I want you to hear is uh, Rick Allen's story. He was part of a church for a really long time, 20, 30 years, and God, through some events, uh, kind of disconnected him from, from that church and has connected uh, his heart here. And Rick, come up and kind of share that story with us, God's faithfulness in that process. I'm speaking for, as a proxy for my wife as well, so uh, please take that into consideration. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming us, and uh, I appreciate the love that you've shown us. Um, actually, the story goes beyond uh, any events, God working in our lives through um, just showing us more about his word and, and drawing us into it. It probably goes back, well, more than more than a decade where independently and individually, Kathleen and I uh, came to a a similar view of an idea and and, um, perspective about God and his sovereignty and and, uh, where where he plays a role in salvation and and where our role stands. Anyway, that, uh, as as time went on, um, we... uh, felt God pulling us, moving us into something different. This is different. This is, this is where we are is, is something different. Um, I take that as a compliment. I'll get there. All right. Okay. Um, Kathleen is, um, has learned to trust the Lord and live in grace probably to a greater degree than I have. I, uh, I know it's best, but sometimes I'm, I'm um, a little hesitant to jump in and say, yay, let's go. Um, we were talking about this as a drive back from seeing our kids in Louisville this week, and uh, recently we, we saw The Hobbit. I don't know if you've seen that yet or if you've read the book, but pivotal to that story is the wizard Gandalf coming to the Shire, the, the very nice, easy, soft place um, where the hobbits live, and uh, coming to um, Bilbo's house and saying, I want you to come with me on an adventure. And Bilbo says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hobbits don't go on adventures. Hobbits like their holes. They like it, their hearths. They like their books. They like their food. They like it easy. It's nice and comfortable here. I don't want to go with you. And I was much that way. God was calling us out to something different, something new, uh, different ministry, a uh, different phase in our lives. And I said, Lord, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've got a place. I've got a feeling here. I've got a, a home. as a place where my children were raised. Why are you taking, why are you doing this? Why? And... Uh, I was kind of like the hobbits. Hey, it's nice and warm here. Why do I want to leave? And um, I don't know. I don't have the answers why, but I know that God is working through this body. I hear hear it from Dave and I hear it from Rick. Uh, God's words revealed. And uh, for those of you that have been here, you don't know what a blessing you have in that. 
and uh, God has fed me while I've been here, and God's fed Kathleen while I've been here. Um, I'm on adventure, Kathleen. God's made me a crybaby in my old age. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathleen and I are are on adventure, and we're glad to be here with you in sharing that. And um, thank you for that. Praise the Lord. And I just finally, I, I guess, our way of looking at things, the things that we see as being our plans, when they come in a, into contrast with what God's doing, they show our plans to be feeble and frail and foolish. And what they do reveal is God's grace, his uh, generosity, and his glory. And uh, uh, that's what I've learned through this process, and I've continued to learn. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Uh, so when North Church began as a, as a core group, we had Charlie and Sue Baker as a generation above most of us. And one of the things that I've, I've prayed from the very beginning is that God would continue to add that. And it, it was a, a really long time. And Charlie and I had a conversation. It was like, man, there's nobody here in our generation. And then he and I really began to pray earnestly for that. And then Rick and Judy showed up and started connecting with us and and we were grateful for that, and we began to, to pray consistently and consistently. And then one day, I had no idea you guys were even coming, and they, Rick and Kathleen, showed up. Um, so I, 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 I tell that story to show you that, that, one, God is answering prayer, but more than that is, is to, for you in, this, in the younger generation, God has given you a great and tremendous blessing of, of years of wisdom, walking with the Lord. If you're not at their door talking to them, you're, you're wasting an opportunity. There, we, we as elders have prayed for people from an older generation to come and connect with our body, and it's happening, and we waste a resource if we don't pursue that. They're an answer to prayer for us to have some life wisdom in our, li- in our, in our midst. Use that, and they're, uh, they're beautiful, perfect examples of that. Don't let them just Take from us. Make them give, too, all right? Um, so the, the last one I want for you, want, want you guys to hear from uh, today is, uh, Danielle, come on up. Uh, you guys might know, they've, they've lived in uh, Danielle's parents' basement for several years. I don't know the, the number of years. Several years, and have been working on, they got a new house, and they've been working on that house for six and a half years, and now they just finally moved in last week. That's, none of that's true. You just want to share about that? Yeah, whatever. Um, man, so, like, I know a lot of people are talking about, like, what the Lord's done the past year, and it's just crazy because it's not just been a year process for us. Like I said, or like Rick said, we um, moved out of our townhouse. It'll be, so three and a half years ago. It was, it'll be four years. Um, it would have been four years in March, I believe, this coming year. So, um we did that in, because we knew that, like, obedience was, like, for Dave to go on staff here at North Church. And part of that was raising support, and there was just lots of things there. And so 
and, and like the Lord's walking us through like a really great time of like getting out of debt. And the biggest debt we had was student loans. And so I am a like extreme person sometimes. And so I remember I went to Dave and I was like, so everybody, if they're going to get out of debt, they have to go to extreme measures. And our extreme measure is we need to put our townhouse on, on, uh, or rent our townhouse out and move in the basement with my parents. And he's like, what? And I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. So he is like, we are invade, like they are invading my space and that, you know, and it's your parents. And we just both like prayed through that and felt like that's what obedience was. But we thought it was just going to be a year. So obviously like one year turned to two. We only had one kid at that time and Mikhail was 15 months old. She's almost five now and we have Tobin. And so like the process has been great. Like the Lord paid off our debt and like just amazing things through that. Um, but with that, um, and, and during that process, God, like, really showed us, like, what our vision for our family was going to be. And one of that, one of those things are that we want to adopt. And we would like to adopt two, and we would love for them to be siblings. So we don't know the age of what that will be. That's something that the Lord's, like, laid on our heart. But, like, that could be two at once. And we have a townhouse that we could have moved back into, but it was very small. It would have been doable, but just felt like... Let's just pray through, like, a home, a house, a yard, like, a, you know, like, a neighbors that, like, will play in a yard that we can connect with. Because it's really hard when, like, in a townhouse, it's really hard to connect with people even though you're, like, on top of, you know, all each other. So, um, prayed through all that. And so, like, in that time, the Lord just started casting, like, visions. And they were all following in line with, we need to, like, be out of debt, like, all of this stuff, and, um, so we decided, ooh, I don't, I'm bad with dates, probably, like, two years ago that we needed to start looking for a house, and so prayed through that, and I'm an optimist, so there's so many details that I, like, I think just forgot on purpose, because it was a really horrible, hard experience. Um, we walked through, I think it was, like, three or four houses, one that they accepted our offer, one, we had an offer that was accepted. It was an eight-month period where we were just waiting for everything to um, be finalized, and we lost all three. And they were all three, like, houses that um, were nothing compared to the house we have now, but at the same time, like, they, when you live in a basement, like, I was, like, putting all my eggs in that basket. And I felt like one of the things that the Lord showed me in that is that, like, he, can, he has my heart, and so I remember walking through every single house feeling like I could, like, I, I have to picture myself in each place. Um, like, I, will, I can walk in and I see, like, a vision for a home, which we, if you know anything about us, like, with the house we have that we rehabbed. And I knew what it was going to look like the second I walked in it. And so I can't help but not do that. So all of these homes we walked in, like, I saw where Tobin would sleep and Mikhail would sleep and the two adopted children would be running around. And so, like, it was hard for me to not get excited about each place, and when it was ripped out, like, it was hard. But the Lord in that said, like, pray like you know you're going to get it. Pray, 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 and know that if I don't have that for you, I will protect your heart to not, like, shatter your dreams. Like, and it was just a really sweet time of saying, all right, Lord, like, I I have to pray and think I'm going to get it, and if we don't, I trust you with it. And so when we finally got a house, which was uh, March— of this year, um, it was a rehabber, and so we just knew, like, it was going to be a lot of work, um, but, like, 
I'm not a detailed person, so here I am telling Dave, like, well, we can do this, 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 and this, and I listed it all, but in my mind, everything, every single one of those things only took, like, a third of the time in my head that they would really take. So he's the practical one. He's like, that's a lot of work. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, wallpaper, just it's a couple hours, just, shush, you know, like, all this stuff. And um, it was, like, three months of wallpaper removal, like, and not us doing it, like, you guys all helped so much, and that was encouraging, but um, we, so we were in the basement, which the basement of my parents' house was actually an apartment. My grandparents moved in years ago and lived there until they passed away, and so my parents built the apartment for them, so it was really still comfortable and cute and quaint when my brother needed to move in, so I was like, you can have the basement. We're going to be moving out soon. And Dave's like, what are you thinking? I'm like, it's okay. We moved into the spare bedroom, which my mom had already used that closet. We couldn't take things out. We didn't have, I mean, we were, our clothes were just like piled up. I didn't do the laundry for like weeks, maybe a month because I'm like, I don't know where to put it. So let's just pile it all over there. Um, so like we just became like this tighter, had this tighter and tighter space. Meanwhile, we're being stretched thinner and thinner and thinner trying to get this home done. And, like, I think one of the biggest things, and I'm going to read this first. Um, I, like, had Dave look at it. I'm like, please don't say I've been taking this out of context my whole life. Can you just, I'm about to share this first. But, um, so, it's in Isaiah 66, and I always go back to this. Like, the Lord just uses it a lot in my heart. But, um, it's, uh, like, so we'll just start with 8. So, Isaiah 66, 8. It says, who has ever heard of, no, we'll do 7. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who's ever heard of a thing? Who has ever seen such of a thing? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. And this is the verse. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? And like that, I mean, it's just one of those like you can't, like birth has to happen Labor has to happen before birth happens. Um, and I've walked through that. I had a natural delivery with Tobin. And I remember the pain of that. And I remember the birth of that. And God's just been, like, so near and saying, like, like it's pain happens before, you know, before delivery. And sometimes it's short. And sometimes it's sweet. And sometimes, you know, like, and sometimes it's really long. Sometimes it's eight months of rehabbing and two and a half three years before that of living in a basement and whatever. But, like, so we've been in our house for a week and a day. And, like, it's so sweet. Like, and that doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to have, like, really rough times. We're about to start on adoption. That I feel like one of the biggest things that God spoke to me about, the whole, like, getting the house, was, like, this paperwork, this, like, letdown, that's nothing. Like, you need to walk through this because that will it'll be really hard to go through this adoption. Like, it's not going to be like, all pretty, and you might get a kid and lose that kid, and so, like, he's just given me purpose for all of these paths that he's had us walk down, and saying, like, it's going to be hard. It has to be hard. It has to be hard to, like, for delivery to happen, and there's purpose in it, and there's hope in it, and, like, you hope in me. You don't hope in these things. They could be ripped out at any moment, like, hope in me, and so um, it's been a lot longer than just a year process, but and it's not over. We got this house so that we could adopt, so that we could do ministry, so that we could have somebody live in our basement if they have a need. And that's all going to be really hard. Like, it's going to, you know, but that, like, we're excited because these are the things that the Lord is calling forth of our family. And so 
This is what he wants to birth in our lives and our kids' lives and our church's lives and community. And so, um, yeah, it's exciting. I think I went over my five minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so the, the vision, again, is to see God working and moving and orchestrating in the lives of the people in our church um, and, and how God is moving stories. Uh, so let's, uh, let's pray, if we could. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this opportunity for us to engage you, God. And Lord, you are a beautiful and awesome and powerful and mighty God. We, uh, we surrender, we submit to what you're doing in our lives, Father. I, I pray for, for those stories that were not told from a microphone this morning, God. The, the difficulty and hardship where some find themselves this morning. God, I pray you administer your hope and your peace and your grace to those situations, Father, and that we would all be able to have perspective and see your work and your plan. In Christ's name.